Christ into the Father's will. That's why he was sent here. Amen? And so this morning, let's just extol the virtues of the presence of the Spirit of God. Let's thank God for the Spirit of truth this morning. And let's invite the light. Amen? Father, we're so grateful for the goodness and greatness which is our God. God, you're above all things. There is nothing, there is no one that comes within just gazillion miles of you, O God, of your greatness. Though they rail, though they would extol and exalt themselves, though they would rail against the kingdom that you've created, O God, and that you exist from the beginning, Father, there was no beginning with you. Yet, O God, you are above them. Thank you, Father God, that we are children of the light this morning. Thank you for the precious Holy Spirit who leads us into truth and knowledge. Thank you, O God, for the spirit of him who is in us that cries out even yet this morning, Abba, Father, the spirit of sonship. Thank you, O God, for our place in the kingdom of God to be able to pray unto you, O God, through the one whom we are seated in, and that's Jesus at the right hand of your blessing, of your authority. Thank you for the precious name of our master. And we invite the light, Jesus, this morning. You have preeminence. Light come. Light be by faith this morning in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for a spirit of revelation and wisdom and the knowledge of you that would just pervade this congregation this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Well, praise the Lord. We talked about the light last week. Did anybody think about the light? Did anybody have that song rolling through their spirit this week? Turn your eye upon Jesus. I did all week long. That's a good song. Man, that's a good song. Did anybody come out of the dark corners this week? Hallelujah. That's what we talked about last week was coming out of the dark corners. To walk in the light as he is in the light. Amen? He's the one that is the light. And if we'll get with him, we'll be in light, we'll know as we are known, and we'll walk forever in an ability to see where we're at and see where we're going. And that's what the psalmist of old said. He said that the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's a bi-directional light. It shows you where you're at right now. Does anybody need to know where they're at right now? Well, people say, well, Greg, that's kind of a stupid question because we're all sitting right here listening to you. How about your soul? Where is your soul at this morning? Where is your attention? Or better yet, where are your affections this morning? Are your affections for the one whom he has sent? Or your affections you find to be torn more For the things of this world. It's easy for that to happen. Amen? It's easy. The cares of this world, man, I mean, they they are a difficult yoke if you get within them. They're a hard burden. That's what Jesus said. That's why we're supposed to get in his yoke and take on yourself his burden. Get in with the light. Amen? That's what he's saying. Get in with the light. Have a lamp unto your feet. Have a light unto your path to know where you're at right now and then to know where you're going. Does anyone want to know where they're going? Well, get with the light. Seems like a simple thing. But because of the choices that we make, we choose to stay in darkness. I feel real solid this morning. I want to share something real quick. Everybody turn over to 1 John. Man, I felt this whenever we were on stage and we made something change there, an adjustment. Man, there are a lot of voices in this world we live in, amen? A lot of voices saying a lot of things. Some of them good. But I'm going to say there's a lot of bad stuff being said. That sounds good. And it's darkness. It's not light. And it is not for the children of God to walk in deception. Deception is absence of light. 
And we talked last week about being, about actually deceiving yourself. The fact that you can actually deceive yourself. But I tell you what, if you, you need to be careful how you hear. You need to be careful what you hear. Amen? I think a lot of times we've got ourselves tuned in to the frequency of the voice of this world. The news channels, the media, the political circles. And I got to tell you, there's a whole lot of darkness in that. And the sad reality is, is that a lot of it looks like light to us. Amen? A lot of it looks like light. Jesus said, if the light be in you, if the light that's in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Why would he say that? In other words, you're deceived because you're, you think that the darkness is light. And all of a sudden it's taken a dominion in your life over the light because you're deceived. Oh, brothers and sisters, let's don't be deceived this morning. Let's make sure that we are very clear about who is in control. We're very clear about whom we serve this morning. And we're very clear about the source of our information. So if you look right there in 1 John chapter 4, I want you to listen to what John said by the Spirit of God. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test it. Test every spirit. Whether they are of God I'm going to just go ahead and take a little liberty here and say, Beloved, don't believe everything you hear, but test what information that you receive to see if it's from God. Now tell me that doesn't line up with that scripture. Because the spirits are conveying information. Whether, you know, whether it's the spirit of God or whether it's the other spirits that are in this world. It says many false prophets have gone out and the prophet's just one who declares. So we've got a lot of people that are declaring a lot of things. And they've gone out even in the name of the Lord. That's the sad reality of it. And they have spoken a lot of darkness into the kingdom of God. They have done a lot of damage because guess what? They're listening to the wrong spirit. There's a reason for that. We're going to get into that a little bit here this morning. Now... A lot of people, how many of y'all remember seeing that old movie, um, oh, what was it called? The one about the rapture where your heads get chopped off and all that stuff back in the day, back in the 70s, they came out with it. Thief in the Night, that's what it was. How many of y'all saw that back in the day? I saw that when I was a kid, scared the Hades out of me. I didn't want to be one of those people that, you know, had to go up to the guillotine. Y'all remember that? That's amazing to me. I can still remember that. I was a little kid when I saw that at the Baptist church. Scare the hell right out of people. Well, that's what it was designed to do. And you know, there was a lot of message that came through that, that really, although there was some good elements, there were some bad elements. And one of them was, to me, was how difficult it was going to be to really know what was God and what wasn't. And really focusing upon the fact that even the elect would be deceived. You know, I'm talking about the children of God. You know, and and you know, there's a lot of confusion that came, I think, because of that message. Because then what happens is, is a lot of people equate the message of darkness in power to the message of light. And let me tell you what, there's no comparison. It's either light or it's darkness. I mean, to me, if I was to turn out all the lights in here and I said, can you see the light? And you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. What confusion, what is there to confuse you? Amen. But if I flick on a light, then all of a sudden I ask if you see the light and you say, oh yeah, there it is right there. What confusion is there in that? It's light or it's darkness. But the problem is, is that you're trying to process the information all by your soul. All by your mind and will and emotions. And you're not checking in with the light source in your heart. You're not checking in with the one who leads you into the light, the Spirit of God. 
And if everything that you do is processed through here and you're not reconciling it with this, then you're going to have problems. You're going to get in deception. You're going to fall into the traps and the pitfalls. But folks, brothers and sisters, that ought not be. That ought not be the case this morning. And so listen to what this says. A lot of people's like, oh, what are we going to do? You know, we're so close. You know, if Paul said that in, in the apostles were talking about us being so close to the end times, how much more closer are we now? Holy cow. Millennia later. How much more closer are we now? If they were saying we were close, dear brothers and sisters, I truly believe this is thus saith Greg. I truly believe that God will come before I die. Physical death. Outside of it, outside of something that, you know, happens with my life and I'm not counting on. But my life is in his hands. He has spoken and declared my days. And I believe I'm going to walk the fullness of them. But I got to stay in the light. And I, I declare he, I, I just believe he's going to come back before I die. How about you, Pastor CJ? You believe that? I believe that. So I feel like we are definitely in the last of the last of the last days, amen? Where darkness really tries to increase, and we see it. But brother and sister, the Bible says that where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. That means that, that means where darkness abounds, light much more can abound and will abound if it come, but it only come through the kingdom, you know, the kingdom person. That's how it comes, is through us. So let's get into this for a second. So people are like, oh dear Lord, brother Greg, how am I gonna know? How am I gonna know about the, about the, the Antichrist? How am I gonna know who is the right one, who's not? How am I gonna keep from being deceived? I don't wanna be counted among the elect, even the elect that were deceived. Oh my goodness, folks, it's so easy. So easy. Listen to what it says here. It says, by this, you know, the spirit of God, that's capital S. Every spirit, little s, that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. There it is, plain and simple. And I got to tell you this morning, there's a lot of voices out there that are saying a lot of things about God. And they're saying coexist. How many of y'all seen that bumper sticker? And that sounds like a great thing. Oh, brother, we need to get along. Brother, sister, we just need to walk in harmony. But if you look at every individual letter, and I've talked about this before, that thing makes my blood boil. Because it is a spirit of falsehood. It is a lie. It is a deception. Because it sounds good on the outside for us to all walk together as one. But it's really what it's saying is, is we're all equal in terms of of what we believe. And I'm here to tell you this morning, there is one God and there is one Christ, his one and only begotten son by whom you actually have access unto God. And there's no other way, brother and sister. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you're trying to get there by works, it won't happen. It's happened for thousands of years. People have tried to do that and it doesn't work. And the sad reality is it's like the old saying from the grandma and grandpa used to say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. There ain't no amount of your work, and I forgive me for my English this morning, but I'm just being real. There's no amount of your abilities and your works in the natural and the flesh and trying to maintain the law that's going to get you unto God. Because what you're doing is flying in the face of the only way you can get unto God, and that is Jesus, and accepting his gift. Not just the, not just believing upon him, but accepting his gift of righteousness. So this morning... My Bible turned off. There it is. Every spirit that confesses Jesus has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And okay. And it says, and this is the spirit of Antichrist. And then it goes on verse four. You are of God, little children have overcome them. I'm here to tell you this morning, don't walk in, in concern and confusion anymore. I want, by way of the Spirit of God, a revelation and wisdom to bring comfort to you this morning, to bring assurance and confidence in knowing this one thing, 
The litmus test, the test of anything to do as to whether or not this is of God or not is, is Jesus the exalted only way unto God? And if Jesus is not the exalted only way unto God, if there's some element of works, if there's some element of something you have to do or someone else has has done for you, it's over right there, folks. Boom. I don't care if 99.9% of it lines up with the Word of God. If they miss that point, it's over. Don't entertain it. And I would say this morning about the information that you get this morning, what information exalts and extols this virtue? What information lines up with this? And I'm not, you know, a lot of people say, well, you're talking about world system information and so forth. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, why don't you reconcile it with the spirit of sonship inside of you? If something's going, eh, 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 don't listen to it. I don't care how good it says, sounds. You will not be deceived if you follow the inward witness. Amen? Follow that inward witness, that spirit of sonship inside of you that identifies with you being a son that, that, that at times when you have that reality blow up through you, you cry out, Abba, Father. Check in with that. I felt like this morning that there was, there was a strong uh, admonishment by the spirit that needed to come with regard to do not be deceived. Do not so easily tune in the frequency or tune into the frequencies of this world. Let's go ahead and let the things of the world be the static and let the, the channel that we tune into be that of the spirit. But see, the thing is, is that it's just like a radio. And you can remember those old TVs. How many of y'all remember those TVs? They had a coarse tune and they had a fine tune. And you know, I could, I remember when I was a little kid, you know, with the black and white TV that my mom and dad had. You know, and I remember trying to play with that thing up in my room and, and it's like you're moving those rabbit ears around, you're adding aluminum foil to it. You're doing everything that you can do. A lot of you young p- kids have no idea what that means. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, and there are a lot of, there are a lot of people sitting here right now that can remember the days before TV. There was no such thing as TV. It was a radio. And that's all you had for your entertainment. And it was, you know, whatever, Gene Autry and all them guys like that, you know, nice, wholesome entertainment. Dear Lord, where have we come? But what I was going to say is, is that you have to take a discern, a concerted effort to tune into the frequency. You have to make a, a selection for the channel, but that may not be enough. You might have to do some further fine tuning to get the clarity of signal that you want, right? How many of y'all ever watched a football game through the fuzz? So frustrating. So frustrating. I've watched, I've watched stuff through the fuzzy, uh, reception before and that is so frustrating. You can see basically most of what you think you need to see, but man, you miss out on details. But yet I gotta tell you this morning that, that there are those of really all elements of our lives, of every person sitting here this morning, that that is the nature of our relationship and the way we receive things from God. It's like we've got an element of it. It's like we've got a form of it, but it's like we don't have the details of it. Because guess what? We're not fine-tuned into the frequency. Amen? I mean, am I speaking to people that can relate with this, or is it just me up here that's relating with it? Yeah. I mean, I tell you what, and guess what the static is? The world... And all the voices and the, the frequency and the, the broadcasts that are coming out. How many of y'all have ever listened to radio and you've got, seems like two and three different channels trying to come in on the same frequency? You know, I'm like trying to listen to news sometimes and catch the, mostly because I want to catch the traffic to make sure I don't have an impediment. I mean, God gave me a brain for a reason. I can listen to my heart, but I, you know, at, at 10, 10 to the hour and, and right on the tens, I get traffic report. I have to go to Oklahoma City every day driving that mess. So I'm like, okay, once well, 10, it was 40 till, I'm going to turn over there and listen to the traffic. And I turn over there and listen to the traffic. And sometimes I can't hear it, particularly this time of year, because there is so much more uh, radiant energy that is really clouding up the atmosphere and being reflected around. And it's over, it's overrunning. And so when I turn to my normal channel, I get Mexican music. And I get so frustrated because I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear, you know, uh, whatever, Zydeco and all that stuff. You know, I want to hear my traffic report. And I, it, and, and I have no ability to fine tune because it's digital. So it's like point two, point four, point zero, 
But this morning, folks, I have to tell you by way of the Spirit of God, you have a tuner inside of you. It's called your spirit. The Bible's very clear that it's the spirit of man that's a candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. That's the way he shines the light into your life is through your spirit. It's not through your mind and will and emotions. It's not through your physical being. It's through your spirit being and then to your mind and will and emotions and then to your body. That's the, that's the order of things in receiving revelation and so forth from the kingdom of God. And I got to tell you this morning as first, as the spirit of God was coming through, uh, John here, don't be deceived. Tune out, tune through the frequencies of the world by coming into hit this, reconciling it with this, whatever you're hearing. And if you can't reconcile it, guess what? Put it on the shelf, throw it away. Don't, don't argue about it. No need to argue about stuff. Just let it go. Because if this right here is not leading you in it, then you don't want it anyway. And, and here's the deal. The wonderful thing about this is that this isn't some religious thing that you have to have had two hours of worship and an hour of your Bible reading to hear this. This is one something, this is who you are really first and foremost is spirit. But the problem is we don't give the focus to our inner man first. If we'll give the focus to our inner man first, then we'll, we'll, and you have to come through the static. And the ways you come through the static is praying in the spirit and worshiping and reading your word. Don't get me wrong now. But at the same time, when you're out there on the, the road in the middle of traffic, I've had it happen to me before. Something comes up inside of you that says, get from the left lane to the right lane. And you don't know why you got to get to the right lane because you look out ahead and it looks like everything's just as good. And you know what? I've learned to just do it. Why, why would you sit there and go, oh no, I'm going to stay in the left lane. Because you know, yeah, that's right. Brother Turner, go ahead and we'll see what happens. Because what this is, is your conscience. It's the voice of your spirit is your conscience. When your conscience is trying to prick you about something, whether it's a situation that you're in, you're fi- a, dis- a business decision you're fixing to make, something someone's telling you about someone in the church, amen or oh me, and you hear those those voices, what is this voice telling you? Is it going, eh, if it's going, eh, and I like what Brother Hagin says, it feels like you're washing your feet with the socks on. You have a lot of the elements that seem right to it, but something's just not right. See, you can wash him out there, wash, stepped in the shower with the socks on. I've done it before. And that man, it's like, what am I doing? I'm not just saying I've done that before, really. I've just stepped in. It's like, man, what am I doing? I stepped in. You soak down your socks. You know, and if you try to wash your feet with your socks on, man, you can get the warmth of the water. You can even get the smell of the soap and everything seems so good. It's like, oh yeah, most of the elements of this is right. But something's just not quite right. That's what I'm talking about. That's the inward uh, voice you need to listen to. If you've got something that's not quite right, don't go against it. If you got something that you're hearing and something inside of you is going, eh, then listen to that. Cast it. Don't let, you don't have to go, oh, brother, that's, that's terrible. Whatever. Just, you know, just dismiss it. Don't listen to it. Don't give ear to it. And I love verse four. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Is have past tense, present tense, or future tense? Yeah, he's already said yes. It's past tense. It's past tense. Did you know that this, that the, the reality of your victory is already certain? Already certain. The reality, I'm going to say it again. The reality of your victory over in any circumstance is already certain in God, in the spirit, not in the soul, not in the flesh. So guess where the battle needs to be waged and where you need to source the information from the spirit, where your battle is certain, where your victory is certain. How do you think, how else do you think that this, the statement of we are more than conquerors through him who loved us? How else can you say that? Make such a statement unless the batter, battle is, the victory is already certain before you fight the battle. We're more than conquerors. To be more than the conqueror means that you, when, before you even go into the battle, it's already decided who's the winner and it's you. But you've got to appropriate it by the Spirit. 
It's a spiritual element. It's a spiritual reality that we have to live this morning. Amen? Praise the Lord. So we were talking about light. So don't be deceived this morning. Everybody raise your hand and say, By the Spirit of God, I will not be deceived. I have the Spirit of truth and the Spirit of light, and I am a son and daughter of light. I will not be deceived. Amen. Hallelujah. You make that declaration. You get up out of the, uh, out of your bed in the morning. You shake yourself and you just say, I walk as a son or daughter of light. I will not be deceived. I walk in the light as he is in the light. Though there are so many voices out there, though there is a bunch of darkness out there, I'm going to walk and I'm going to be, I'm going to be one of them ones holding out the, the truth as a star shining in the darkness of space. Amen. Like the word says. Turn over to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Oh, that's not Mark 4. Sometimes, you know, technology is wonderful, but when it works. I'm trying to get it to work, do my history, and it's not working right. It's taking me to other places. (laughs) You know what? We do the young adults on Thursday evening, and... I've kind of got a, it, although it's really become serious, I just say, turn in your iPads or iDevices to, I know that's a little aggravating to the older generation, but I, I've embraced technology. It's, it's wonderful. Again, when it works, when it works. The pages are turning. Okay, Mark chapter 4 in verse, let's talk, let's talk, look in verse 2. Okay. Before we get going here this morning, though, I want, I want everyone to, to try to clear their soul of the previous re- revelations and, re- and things that they've known about this scripture. Can we do that? Can we flush our conscience? Can we flush our soul of what we've known before, what we've heard before? And let's hear this afresh and anew. Amen. Verse 2, he taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, and this is red letter in my Bible and maybe yours if you've got a red letter edition. So this is Jesus talking. He says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell along rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said in verse nine, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear or let them hear. And then, you know, the disciples in verse 10 have to ask themselves, dear Lord, why does he always have to talk in parables? Why can't he just come straight out and tell us what he's trying to tell us? And isn't it interesting? (laughs) Jesus tells them right here, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. I want everyone this morning to say the secret of the kingdom of God. Say it with me. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to me. Let's say it one more time. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to me. Okay, so that does, do you think that he was telling them this to further confuse them? To further entrench them in their concept of why Jesus always has to deliver things in parables? Because what he's telling you, telling them here is, boys, I talk to, I talk in parables, but the understanding of it is given to you. Amen. So no one sit here this morning and say, I can't understand the Bible. I can't understand anything that's written in here. It's so confusing to me. It's like Greek or Hebrew, depending upon whichever. Sorry. (laughs) Has anyone, though, you don't have to raise your hands, ever thought that? You know, I have thought that. Oh, my goodness. Cornell raised his hand. I have thought that. I've read stuff before and I thought that seems contradictory. I've read things in the Bible and I've read them a hundred times and I'm like, dear Lord, I cannot understand what is being said here. 
But see, the issue is, is that you don't stop hearing the word. Just because you don't get it the first time, you don't stop allowing the seed entry into your life. I'm about to share a revelation with some of you all about this parable that I believe you probably may have never heard before because I've never heard it before. And if you've heard this, then man, praise God, man, the Holy Ghost gave you something. You know, I, 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 I have never heard this before. I mean, praise God, man. I, maybe it's, I'm just dumb. Maybe I'm just, you know, dull of hearing. And I am sometimes. It's like, man, you know, the Bible talks about don't be like the mule where you got to have a bit put in its mouth to turn his head. I tell you what, let's don't be the person that's got to have his head jerked one way in order to get a direction to the right or jerked back this way to get a direction to the left. Let's be rain trained, like a minister said, where when that, when the Holy Ghost or God touches that side of your neck, you know right where to go. There ain't no grabbing hold of that rain and going, oh, by God, you're going to go to the right. But yet we walk, I think, through this life a lot of times with God literally having to plow rain us. And man, the, the prophet of old said, don't be like that. Don't be like the mule, stubborn, wanting to go his way. And you got to put a bit in his mouth that puts some pain in there to where whenever the, the, the master grabs hold of that rain and pulls, you don't have no choice but to turn your head that direction because it hurts so bad. Amen or oh me? Don't be like that. So you give you give the word access. Okay. Okay, so then in verse 13, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. So we see that the seed is the word of God. Very clearly. Some people in verse 15 are like seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. I want you to think this morning about your life. I want you to think about how the word has had access into your life and what, how, how your life fits into this parable. Still others like seed sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others like seed in verse 20 sown on good soil hear the word, accept it and produce a crop some 30, some 60, some 100 times. Okay, so then what I want to show you is in verse 24, consider carefully what you hear. Consider carefully what you hear. With the measure, or I will say, I think that a greater revelation is to, is to word it like this. Consider carefully how you hear. How you hear. With the measure that you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. First thing I want to deliver by way of the Holy Ghost this morning is to let you know that this parable is multi. You know, how many of y'all believe that Jesus spoke things that were multi-faceted in Revelation? It wasn't like it was just one thing. Do you know the master is so deep? The father is so deep. He can say one phrase and it has a depth of meaning that lasts eternity. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will remain forever. That's the scripture. I didn't say it. Make that up. Father did. His words are so powerful that they were the foundation for the creation of the world. He spoke and it was. He spoke and it was. He spoke and it was. Amen? His word is living and is light and is Jesus Christ, who was sent into this world, the light of the life of men. Amen? I tell you what, his word is so powerful and is so valuable that it's literally in person. It became personified in Jesus Christ. He is the word, capital W. The word. Hallelujah. So the word of God is pretty important. Amen? The seed that's being illustrated in this parable is exceedingly important because it's the word of God, according to what Jesus said. The first thing I want you to see is that 
a lot of a lot of emphasis in it and it is absolutely good to do this because it's the truth is put on the seed and it needs to be oh my goodness the word yes but i want you to see really that this parable is talking about something to do with how the word enters a person's life yeah it's talking about the soil but how does it get into the soil how does it get into the soil because then what does jesus sum it up with he said consider carefully what you hear or like i said consider carefully how you hear for with the measure you use it'll be measured unto you okay so this morning what i want to convey the first revelation to you if you've not heard this the holy ghost i feel like gave this to me and maybe it's for all these revelations just reinventing the wheel because i'm sure there are many brothers and sisters that have had this revelation before but the bottom line is if you look down here into verse 13 and then through 20 and i'm not going to read down through it but i want you i'm going to hit a couple highlights here don't you understand this parable verse 14 the farmer sows the word and it talks about the people along the path and it says that uh oh wait just a minute here i need to go to another another uh um version where else is this found in luke Oh, no, 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 it's here, it's here. Because verse 15, as the farmer sows the word, as they soon hear it. As they soon hear it. Verse 16, others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word. Verse 17, but since they have no root, they last a short time when trouble or persecution comes. Quick follow away. Verse 18, still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word. And then verse 20, others like seeds sown on good soil hear the word. And then Jesus sums it up back on down there to say, consider carefully what, or consider carefully how you hear. And we're talking about, we heard uh, someone say something about the soil. Well, guess what? The only way seed can get in the soil is if, there, if, it, if it's accepted and there are certain conditions to receive it. But it has to be received first, right? The seed can only come if you hear it. You have to hear it. And you have to, it's not just hearing it with these ears, because how did Jesus start this whole thing? They that have ears to hear, let him hear. But he wasn't talking about these ears, he was talking about these ears. Oh my goodness, the ears of the Spirit. Those are the ears that we have to listen. If you're going to receive the word, folks, this morning, it's not going to come through the fruitfulness of your understanding and your intellect. You can get a shallow perspective. You can get some understanding and knowledge from that perspective. But the real revelation and reception into the soil of who you are that's going to produce some 30, 60, and 100-fold has got to come by way of how you hear, and that is through your spirit. How you hear. Consider carefully what, or consider carefully how you hear. So he says, with the measure that you use, it'll be measured to you. That means to me that to the measure that you give a, a listening ear to the word of God, that's how much is going to come into your life. Amen or on me this morning. If we don't give an attentive ear of these ears to the word of God, forget it. It's going to fall on. And then here's the next revelation. And this is the one that I'm saying that I've never heard before. And that is a lot of us put an emphasis on this parable as being one with regard to its its uh, tangent to evangelism. Praise God for that, brother and sister. That's absolutely right. You know, we're talking about the word falling on people's lives here. But I'm going to go so far as to say, thus saith Greg, and I'm careful to always say that, you test this out in your own inner man. You test this out with the word of God and see if it's true or not. But so far, this seems right to me that I'm also going to say that this is a parable that applies to each and every one of our lives individually after Jesus. I'm going to go so far as to say that all, every single one of us sitting here have some uh, pat, soil along the path, some soil with stones in it, and some soil with thorns in it, and some good soil too. I'm so going to go so far as to say that every single one of these conditions are met in every single one of our lives as we sit here today, brothers and sisters. What, does, that, does that seem right to you? Because I don't know about you, but I don't have every area of my life bearing 30, 1600 fold. 
To me, that confirms it. Because if I had every area of my life bearing 30, 60, 100 fold, then that means that I'm the soil of good soil. All of me. Now, don't get me wrong now. I'm not condemning us this morning. I'm not preaching a message of, of guilt and condemnation. I'm preaching a wonderful grace-filled admonishment this morning to maybe help us understand, oh, you mean I've got some areas that might have rocks in them? You mean I have some areas? And here's another revelation I just believe you're going to receive by the Spirit of God that guess what? We have allowed the access of the world so much that it's got a beat-down path in our life. And it's beat down so much, it's a freaking highway right into our lives that the Word of God comes, it has no chance. Not a chance because the world is coming and going so much in their lives it gets stolen away before it hits the ground. I'm spitting some cotton up here this morning. I'm going to put my gum right there. Don't let me forget it. Oh, folks, I tell you what, I, I don't think that everyone heard what I just said. Because really, if you hear what I just said, it will set you free. It will, it will provide, it will bring light into your life for you to be set free from those areas of your life that are unfruitful as it pertains to the Word of God. And I'm talking to myself this morning. Oh, dear Lord, by way of the Spirit of God, brothers and sisters, I entreat of you this morning to examine your lives. I ask you this morning to submit yourselves unto the Word and say, Oh, Jesus, light of heaven and light of my life, will you show me the the ingress of the world into my life? Where is it that I'm maintaining a pathway of the world's influence in my life that is being the first type of soil? Jesus, please show us that, Father, by way of the, the light of Jesus. I just believe this morning that's going to happen to you all this week. Some of you all are going to be shown those roads in your life that you've given to the world. Where the world has had a, 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 a nexus with you so much and so frequently, it's beat down a highway of, of, of ingress and egress. In and out, in and out. Boy, guess what? Oh, thank you so much. And I'm not a promoter of bottled water. I'll have to say that, but I will, I'll go ahead and receive the blessing of God this morning. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I didn't even ask and I received, did I? Praise the Lord. Oh my goodness, brothers and sisters. This is deep to me. Because this, but yet it's so simple. You know, the thing is, the, uh, the word says to come out from the world. Be ye separate. There's a reason for that. Because this is what happens. The world will beat down a path in your life so hard, it'll lay the asphalt down on it. I mean, it'll grade that thing smooth and lay down the asphalt and have the, the center uh, dash line going down the middle of it. Saying, I have right to your life. I have access to your life. And in fact, I have access to your life so much, I've got a flipping interstate coming right into your world. And I'm sending, and I'm not just sending cars, I'm sending trucks to bring the information. And the sad reality is we got some people that have railroads in there. Airports. I'm talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not talking about people, people that don't know God. I'm talking about my life. I'm talking about your all's life this morning. I hope this will be encouragement to us to examine this. Now, what about the next type of soil? What was the next type of soil? Was it the soil with stones? You know, and isn't it interesting when you see that, it's not that you didn't receive the word, right? Oh, no, the word came. It wasn't stolen out of your life. Man, I just thank you, Holy Ghost, for delivering this new revelation this morning. I, you know, it was not that the word was stolen. All the rest of the grounds, the word's not stolen. Amen? No, it comes in. You heard it. Hey, that's what you want to do. You want to hear the word. And you heard it, and you even received it with some joy. It's like, oh, yes. But guess what, though? 
The word comes in and the seed falls among some circumstances in your life. Some things that, that exist. And they're called rocks. And what is a rock? A rock is a big old amorphous lump of hard, inert material. I mean, you can take a hammer and try to break them rocks up and you still got a big old same pile of, you just got a pile of rocks instead of one. And I got to tell you, by way of the Spirit of God, that's what we've done through psychology. That's what we've done through through uh, therapy and things that don't really get to the issues to get them out of our lives. We've just taken a sledgehammer to them and beat them into smaller rocks. I've never heard that before. That Spirit of God just gave that to me. Yeah, yeah, it's still rock, brother. That's exactly right. Oh, my goodness, I can take a big old rock and I can render it into a pile a smaller rock, but it still occupies the same amount of space, the same volume. It still weighs exactly the same. If I pick all the middle rocks up and weigh them. There's got to be a move and a relativity of the receiving the, the word of God by way of the spirit and you allowing the, the light of life access to show you those rocks and just show you how to get rid of them. When you see a farmer go out to a field, he doesn't plow that field up and hit a big old rock and leave it sitting out in the middle of his field. What does he do? He extracts that rock and moves it to a place that's unproductive, to a place that doesn't, that was not going to get in the way. And you can't do that in your effort, folks, sitting here this morning. There are some things you can control to a degree, but you know, like anger, here's a good one, anger. There are some things you can control with anger. And some people people say, well, you know, my anger just got the best of me. Well, you know what? And I beat my wife or I beat my kids. Anger just got the best of me. Well, let me go get a 250-pound linebacker and set him beside you in the same circumstance. Will you still beat your kid? I guarantee you, you'd control that anger, wouldn't you? Especially if that, if that linebacker is given right of access to correct, make a corrective action. And especially if he's the one you're angry against. You know, I mean, I'm telling you, it's like, no, I could, anger got the best of me. No, no, no. You always have a choice. Always. We're talking about rocks this morning, right now. So you can do what you can to control it, but is the is the uh, uh, foundation of its existence in your life still there? Oh, yes, it is. That rock is there. So you can do what you can to navigate that rock, but guess what? The rock is still there. It's still in your productive soil. So what do you have to do? By way of the Spirit of God and the Word of God and it fellowship as you walk in the light with he, as He is in the light and have fellowship with your other brothers and sisters, the Holy Ghost will bring the light of the Word into your life to show you how to uproot that rock and get it out of your field. And in fact, not just cast it somewhere where it might roll back down the hill into your field again, but absolve your field of it. Take it completely away. Hallelujah. Take it out of there. There's not a rock in your life this morning that can't be done away with by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Amen. Not a rock. Whether it's anger, whether it's jealousy, whether it's inward woundings, whatever it is. How about the third soil? Third soil was a soil that I think really relates to a lot of us. Because it's a soil that actually saw a pretty good growth of the Word of God in our lives. Amen? I mean, because it said that when the, when the seed came in, it said it actually was, it, it was heard, it was received, and it said it took root, and it grew. You know, and that's, I venture to say that a good cross-section of the brothers and sisters in the body of Christ this morning have a good preponderance of this soil in their lives. And I'm talking about myself this morning. How much this morning by way of the light of God's word and the spirit of God shining in your life would you be able to say constitutes this type of ground? Ground that has things that grow up alongside the word. 
And, and that as you, because, because it's not, they're not dealt with, because you aren't turning your attentions on the right plant, the other ones that grow up alongside of it grow up with such vigor and grow up with such, uh, 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 take on a life of their own, if you will, and grow up and choke out the one, the plant that really needs to be focused on, the plant that really is only going to produce anything fruitful in your life. How many of us sitting here this morning and we see Jesus talk about, you know, he goes into further explanation about what those are. The deceitfulness, the worries of this life. How many of us this morning are, are laden down with worry, with care this morning about how you're going to make it the next day, about whether or not you're going to have a job next week, about whether or not you're going to be able to make it another day with your spouse because of anger issues or whatever the case might be. Worried about sickness, worried about disease that might come, worried about generational issues because the doctor's telling you that you've had heart disease on both sides of your family and so it's going to get you too. You just need to keep coming in for testing to make sure that you don't, that we'll catch it in time. I'm not telling you don't go to the doctors. I'm not telling you that there's not wise counsel in good health screenings. Please don't misunderstand me. But what I'm telling you is, is that can become the plant that you get focused on and you allow the truth of God's word that has taken root in your life with regard to who really is your provider and the fact that he paid for your health and and strength in this life to dwindle and get choked out by it. Don't let that happen this morning. Amen. Man, praise God. Let's don't let that happen this morning. Worry, anxiety. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, you be anxious for nothing. Does that say be anxious for 1% and God will take care of the 99%? It says be anxious for nothing. Nothing means what? (laughs) Be anxious for nothing. What about the next aspect of that? The deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things that come in and choke the word. So what is the focus? I mean, is the focus on your career? Is the focus on continuing to pursue educations ahead of listening to your heart that's been going for the past three or four years that something's not right with me, what I'm doing in this pursuit? But yet you continue going on because as far as you're concerned, this is the way to a fruitful and prosperous life. Is it the deceitfulness of your ability to rot a product in your life is that being the focus, uh, taking the focus over the, the right now word of God that's, that's tried to grow up to let you know, guess what, who your provider really is? I had to learn that. I had to take a tough lesson, folks, in that I had to come to a place that as a man, I became broken in my, to a place to where, guess what, the light could come in. The seed, man, could get focused upon and the growth thereof. To realize who my provider really is. My provider's not my intellect. My provider's not the two degrees that I've worked hard to earn. My provider's not the career path that I've chosen. My provider's not my employer. My provider is not my mother and father. It's not a world system. It's not anything else. My provider is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And, and I'll take it even so far as to go ahead and invoke the parable and the, the thought that, and the painting that Jesus, the picture that Jesus painted with regard to take no thought for your life. He says, don't worry about what, you're, where you're going to get your meals. Don't worry about what, you, how you're going to clothe yourselves. And he talks about all the creation that he has, that he feeds, that he clothes. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians. Don't be anxious for nothing. Oh my goodness, folks, but how do we take ourselves? I mean, we, we take this into the point to where it stresses us out and literally kills us. We, uh, I think every single one of us sitting in here, including myself, are dealing with the results of stress in our physical bodies. What is stress? Stress comes because of what? Worry. And you know what? I don't care what your, your blessed God, your, your golden-hearted grandma used to say about how she would worry about everything and just, well, I'll just worry about you so, sweetie. i just worry about you so. You know what? I mean, bless God, honor your grandma, honor your grandpa and say, you know, I appreciate your care and concern for me. Don't be worried about me because God is. 
And if God's worried about me, then that's all we got to be concerned about. Because he can actually do something about something to do with my life. Amen. A lot of people, they feel like that they get to a place that they graduate to the right to worry. They hit 65 years of age and it's like, hey, I, I've earned the right to worry now. Oh, I worry so about my kids. Oh, I worry so about my grandkids. Oh, I worry so about what's going to happen with our lives. Don't do that. That's not. That's against the word of God. That's going to choke out the effect of the word in your life. And it says what that does is those that choking, it makes, the, it doesn't say that it kills the word. It says it makes it unfruitful. I mean, that's what the word says now. I didn't make that up. The word says that, right? At least the NIV does. It says it just makes it unfruitful in your life. Chokes it out. And then others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop some 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. Brothers and sisters, the one thing about the kingdom of God that you can always, the litmus test you can always take to know that it's a kingdom element is multiplication. There, in, in the kingdom of God, the growth is exponential. The growth is on a power scale. It's not on an addition scale. And you know, I've shared before the, the, the element of, of the exponential growth curve. Y'all remember that? How many of y'all remember that? Oh, come on now. You graduates, Taylor, you better remember that. I gave a graduation speech to those graduates. Taylor was part of them, Faith. You remember that, the J-curve? It's all right if you don't remember it, baby girl. That's okay. <laughs> I called it, the great thing is, is when I learned it in science, it was called the J-curve. I called it the Jesus curve. J for Jesus. I, we have a mathematician right here. This dude actually went to school to learn math. He actually got a degree in mathematics, dear God. I mean, I, when I fellowship with him all the time, I just, inside, I'm like, I can't reconcile that. I can understand if someone goes to school for life sciences and to learn about ecology and to learn about other elements like that, but to go, to actually go and get a degree in math, the subject that probably 99.9% .9 of us here just loathe. I mean, you hate it. You don't, it's not like you don't dislike it. You absolutely hate it. It's like, oh my God, it's bad. I don't want any part of it. Thank God for you though, brother, man. I'm glad there are people that love math, man, because I don't like it a whole lot. Now, applied math, statistics, I like. But like all the theory and hard-based math, we'll leave it to Hans, leave it to the Han, or the Chucks in life. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. What were we talking about? <laughs> the J-curve. Thank you. And we're going to end with this. The J-curve. So if you've, it, it's just a curve to represent a relationship of two variables. The variable, if I could show you on the Y-axis, is some element that you're, that, that, that you're relating to on the X-axis time. So the farther you move in time, the farther you get on the x-axis. See what I'm saying? The y-curve is the relationship of where that, that variable is at with respect to time. So if, 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 it's, if it's very quickly realized, then you're going to see it very quick on the x-axis. It's going to show up. But if it's not, it's going to be farther down the x-axis, and then you'll see it show up. And, you know, that's called when, whenever you see the growth go like this where it starts out at first and it seems like it's not moving much it grows a little bit it goes, seems like it goes a long time and it's a little bit of growth a little bit of growth but then all of a sudden it hits one aspect and it just it don't just grow a little bit it begins to skyrocket i'm here to tell you this morning that is the model of growth of the word of god in your life it will start out though you seem it will, though it seems to be small beginnings, it starts out small and it's moving along. And you see, it's like after years. And I can look at Jesus' life. We were talking about this the other day. 
Dear Lord, I mean, this is a guy that, that gave himself over to the Word of God. He saw the very prophecies about his life. Don't you know that Jesus had at least some identity with what he was going to be doing and so forth? I'm not saying he understood everything, but he at least had some idea about it. Do you ever stop to think that Jesus, when he was 21 years of age, 24, 25, 26, 27, stopped to think to himself, Father, when is this stuff going to happen that's said about me? And yet we all sit here this morning, and I'm talking about me before I'm talking about you, and I think to myself, God, when is this stuff going to happen? Amen? When when am I going to see the promise you've given me? Think about Abraham and Sarah. I think about all the promises that were given to people. And And some of them didn't actually even see it in the natural, because guess what? It's not about your one life. It's about the full kingdom's realization of it through all eternity. To all lives. And so yet you move along that x-axis of time and you're thinking to yourself, oh dear God, how much longer are we going to go before we actually see any result? And I got to tell you, that's the reason why the prophet of old said, don't despise small beginnings. Because guess what? If you'll stay hooked up and stay focused upon the, the reality of that promise and focus on the one in whom you believe that he is well able to keep that to him, what you've believed, what you've committed to him, if you'll stay on that, you'll stay on that J-curve because, and guess what'll happen? If you'll keep staying on that J-curve at some point in time, you will realize a time whenever that growth will, and the promise and manifestation will take off in your life. Does that bring hope this morning? Oh my goodness. And I tell you, that's the small beginnings, the time from this point, time zero, to the time whenever you see the, man, the manifestation are the small beginnings. Despise not small beginnings. Despise not small beginnings. Despise not small beginnings, folks. Stay hooked up. Stay, keep your eyes on the prize. That's the one in whom you believed. Amen. That's the one in whom you trust. Even your very salvation. Like Paul said, I know in whom I believed that he's able to keep that which I committed to him against that day. There's a song about that. Praise the Lord. Will you stand with me this morning? Oh, praise you, Father. Father, this morning I'm grateful, most of all, for the precious Word of God. Father, I'm I'm grateful, and I just believe by faith, Father, that, Holy Spirit, you've delivered the seed eternal unto good soil this morning. Thank you that it becomes an implanted or engrafted Word, not just one that would come in and be held for a while and then be forgotten, O God but it would become an engrafted seed, something that actually gets fixed in the life, sets root, O oh God, in the, in the light of your, of your presence, Father God, in focus, and then will gets walk, continues to get watered and produces and eventually transpires the promise, Father God, back unto you. That's how the word returns, Father God. It, it comes to us, it gets sown, it sets forth a root, grows up, O oh God, and then returns the word back unto you. That it, and it's not returned void, but it's returned to manifest that which you've sent it to do. Thank you, Father, for the small beginnings. Would you, would you say that this morning? Thank you, Father, for the small beginnings. We're not going to despise them, O oh God, and forgive us if we have despised them. That means if we've lightly esteemed that time in our life, Father, forgive me. Forgive me, Father God. Forgive me for despising, Father God, the the, the small beginnings of your seeds work in my life, oh God. Oh God, I gotta get my eyes back on the prize, Father. My eyes back on the, on the growth of that word in my life to cook, to, to come up first the bolt and then the head, then the full grain in the head. Thank you, O God, for that in every single one of my brothers and sisters' lives this morning, Father God. Your word does not return void. Thank you, Father God, for the revelation that every one of these people are going to get, even through this week, Father God, of the good soil they have in their life. And the fact that every other part of the soil that may not be good right now can be rendered to good soil. Hallelujah. And when the word comes, it's always received and produces. Always received and produces. Help us, O oh God, to be careful how we hear. Bring that to, to our remembrance, O oh God. Stir up the, our pure mind of a way of remembering this week, O oh God. O oh Holy Spirit, 
Help us to remember how we hear, to remember how we hear, to be careful how we hear, O God. And most importantly, to exalt Jesus and to see him as the one and only begotten Son of God and the only way unto you and the only true word and light that is our life and to reconcile everything else against that. And if it doesn't line up, to cast it aside. Oh, God, this morning, thank you for the spirit of truth and sonship. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.